have capable worship leaders helping us each Sunday morning uh, go to the throne of grace. And I'm grateful for Al and for your leadership and for the entire team. And uh, we trust that uh, God will continue to provide uh, for us as we seek to uh, grow in our ability to worship God together as a church. Uh, Please uh, let me pray one more time. Even I know Jen has just prayed, but uh, Father, um, please use this time now to lift up your Son, to glorify you, and that we might be empowered and given ability to do the ministry that you've called us to by the filling and power of your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Well, over this last couple of weeks, we've been with some friends, and uh, and my wife and I are reaching the age where um, there's a lot of our friends are retiring. And so they regularly come to me and they say, Scott, when are you going to retire? Time for you to uh, walk away from your vocation. You know, you got to just take the plunge and retire, you know. And, and you know, I just think... There's a call on my life to do what I'm doing, and I just love what I'm doing because I have an opportunity to come to a local church and to share some of the things that God has been teaching me. I probably have grown in the ministry more in the last five years than I have in the previous 35 years. And uh, I often say, you know, I've probably learned enough now that I might be of use to somebody. Um, you know, as a commercial on TV says, you know, I, I, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. And and so that's that's my joy of coming here. And over the last eight months, uh, I've shared a lot of ideas that have come from my training and my experience. And uh, the challenge that we have is to take some of these things and customize them to our church because no church is the same. Every church is different. And so the ideas that I share with our leaders are ideas that I think will help us move forward, but the challenge is for our leaders to help me to figure out, yeah, but Scott, we're three lakes. We're not this town. And and, and we so we've got to work together and we've got to customize what we're doing and take the things that that um, that I've learned and the things that uh, you know about your church and bring them together and and it's just a real joy and I know a little bit about church health and so hopefully we can come together and and customize the things that I know a little bit about and uh, we can continue to move forward and I've seen our leaders really come together and and uh, we're doing some really good things together but we want to make sure we do it together. Um, I think Dave Kirby, I think, shared with me, he says, you know, nobody is as smart as we are. Nobody is as smart individually as we are together. And uh, we want to do this together. And uh, it's a real joy. I see that on on our search team. I see that on our board. I see that everywhere I go here, a willingness to recognize that as we come together, um, we can do a lot. And so, you know, I've, I've seen a thing or two. Um, but there's one thing that I know a lot about. 
and many of you know a lot about it too, and that's the day-to-day walk with Jesus. I've been walking with Jesus now for almost 50 years, and it's been, it's been a journey, and I've stumbled a lot along the way. And as I've stumbled, get back into the Word and try to figure it out, and how do I keep from stumbling again? And, and that's where I've come across this idea of the joyful lifestyle of repentance that I talk about over and over again, and I'll talk about it again in just a moment. But these are things that, that I've seen and I've learned from, and the thing that I observe is that so often we Christians fall into the Christian blahs. You know what I mean by the Christian blahs? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'll get up and you know read my little verse for the day, and and then go on, and then I'll think about it sometime. But there's 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 no life. There's no power. Jesus gives us a wonderful invitation in John chapter seven, and it's the theme verse of my current series of messages called Alive. Look at this promise that Jesus gives us. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit. I would suggest to you that it should be, and it could be, and it can be, a regular, ongoing experience for us to have rivers of life flowing from within us as we walk with God who gives us the freshness and fullness of His Spirit. Now, this is not just for people who are the spiritual people. This is for teenagers. This is for elementary school kids who really know Jesus, and as they're able, they can have rivers of water flowing from them. This is for people who are 85 and 90 years old. It's a promise that God has given to us, and And I see as a pastor people who are living these also-ran Christian lives and they're just thinking, God, well, that's, he's, you know, the big guy upstairs. (laughs) Or, you know, the guy in the white robe sitting on a cloud. No! God says to us, come to me. I will give you this life. I'll give you rivers flowing from within, and your life will be more than also ran. It will, be, it will be a spiritual life that is alive. And you will have God the Holy Spirit living through you, lifting up Jesus and honoring and glorifying God the Father. I began this series of messages by talking about the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus 
And we concluded that in order to experience the blessings of this spiritual life, we must be spiritually alive. And that makes sense, doesn't it? So I think the most important thing we can do in our families is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to our children so that they can grow as Christians. And then we as parents continually think about ourselves. Am I truly a Christian? Do I have spiritual life within? And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born spiritually. And then John 1.12 says that those who receive him, even those who believe in his name, they will become born of God. So spiritual birth comes from from the Holy Spirit who comes within and gives us spiritual birth. And then last week I suggested to you that everyone who is spiritually alive has been baptized by Jesus with the Holy Spirit for salvation. And from time to time will again be baptized by Jesus with the Holy Spirit for spiritual fullness. Now, this is something that is really important, so I gave you an insert in the bulletin today on the back of your sermon note insert that have this all written down. So you can take it home and think about it, but I'd like to suggest to you that this word baptism is used in a lot of different ways in the New Testament. It talks about water baptism that Jen shared with us about beautiful testimony of a young man who was baptized in water. John the Baptist came for a baptism for repentance. Um, Apostle Paul says that we are baptized into Moses. Jesus, I was reading this week, says that the cross, he was baptized in his passion. It was a, it was a baptism of passion that Jesus, this word baptism is used in a lot of different contexts. And so I think we need to understand that baptism with the Holy Spirit can be applied to different events. And one of them is salvation, as we talked about in John chapter 3. But another one is a promise for believers. And there I want to talk about the 120 at Pentecost. And this is a very interesting thing. In Acts chapter 1, and I quoted it in your bulletin insert, here's Jesus giving the disciples a promise. And he says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so these are Jesus' followers. These are people who are believers. Just like Abraham and David and Joshua and the Old Testament prophets were all believers thinking forward to placing their trust in Messiah Jesus, as Paul outlines in Romans chapter 4. But these are believers who are followers of Jesus. And he said, you followers of believers, you will get a fresh baptism. Well, the fulfillment comes in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing wind of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So the promise is that you will be baptized and the fulfillment is you were filled. And so see here there's this word baptism is used in a different way. It's used by Paul to talk about how we were baptized into the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12. And now here it's used to those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so don't get hung up on the word baptize. Think about what happens when that word is fulfilled in our lives. And today I want to talk about the way that the New Testament uses the word baptize to describe Holy Spirit filling. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, and I think that's the same thing for believers, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so today I'd like to discuss with you, everyone who is spiritually alive can experience this filling, this fullness of the Holy Spirit that the 120 experienced in the upper room. We can experience being filled as believers. And I think this is what helps us overcome the Christian blahs. I think we walk around in life as a Christian, but we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not full of the Holy Spirit. Many Christians can't remember the last time God answered their prayers. Why is that? Many times when a new door of opportunity opens up for us, we cower at it. We're not bold like the Gideons are bold to pass out scriptures at the county fair when there's opposition. It requires a fullness of the Spirit, a power from God to do that. God wants us to live our lives, our family lives, our work lives, our recreational lives, with the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that those rivers can come forth from us. It doesn't have to be the blahs. It doesn't have to be that God is just this God up there that's not involved in our Yes, He is involved in our lives. And he wants to often give us that fresh filling. And I want to show you that today from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where Paul tells us, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's an invitation. It's an invitation for us. Jesus says, come to me and drink. And then Paul says, this is what that means. This means be filled with. With the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What a contrast. (laughs) What a contrast. A person who is drunk with alcohol is controlled by an outside influence, aren't we? It's an outside influence that leads to a spiral downward. And that word debauchery is, you know, if you look it up, it talks about party spirit and immorality and sensuality and all the stuff that goes with being controlled from the outside. That's what happens when you're controlled by alcohol on the outside. But there's a time when God takes control of our lives and there's another influence. 
that overtakes us. And that's when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And look what this text tells us happens. We will then speak with one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to meet someone and say, Oh, hallelujah, how are you today? It's been a wonderful time to do. It doesn't literally mean we're going to sing to one another. Also, sometimes we might. But what did we just do for the last half an hour? We sang together. <laughs> we were singing to one another. And then look what happens. There's music in the heart to the Lord. Giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus. What a wonderful way to live. The Apostle Paul says, that can be the way that you live every day. That can be the way that we live every hour of every day. Let's look at four things about this command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. First, this command assumes spiritual life. Now, let's say that this balloon represents the Holy Spirit who is living within us. He is there. If we're born again, we learn from John 3. We know from the testimony of Acts chapter 2 of the 3,000. They placed their faith in Jesus and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us, according to Ephesians chapter 1, has got uh, all spiritual blessing as ours. The Holy Spirit lives in us. But there are times when the Holy Spirit, he's just, he needs to be inflated. And so, this is what it looks like when we are filled fresh with the Holy Spirit. He is there as a small balloon, so to speak. But then, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit expands and we experience his fullness. The same Holy Spirit who is already there, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit fills us with a spiritual fullness. And we can enjoy His presence. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all of these things. And there are times during our day where we just kind of get wrapped up in things that are in the downward spiral and we need to go, whoa, I'm not walking in fullness right now. And so, Lord, would you give me a fullness so I can get out of this blase that I'm going through? And that can happen with reading a Bible verse. It can happen by listening to a song on the radio that just kind of lifts our spirits. It can happen with a prayer. We can we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to come to you and drink. I'm just I'm just having kind of the blase right now. Can you... Can you expand the Holy Spirit who is already in me? Can you make Him full? Can I walk in His fullness? See, I would suggest to you that Christian fullness can be our all experience every day. Now, that doesn't mean that spiritual fullness means that we're always happy and that we're always joyful and that we're always looking at the hard things in life, and saying, praise the Lord, I'm so glad I just broke my arm. I'm so glad that my mom just got cancer. Or I'm so glad that my child was just killed in an automobile. That is ridiculous. What it means is that the fullness of the Holy Spirit can be ours so that we can face all that life gives to us. 
And so that life does not grab us, we can grab life. And so Christian tears are some things that that the Bible talks about. Uh, Spirit-filled people are sad when wrong prevails, when hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth as we sing at Christmas time. The psalmist shed tears because people were rebelling against God. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because people were rebelling against God. Paul often wrote to his followers with tears of sorrow over their sinfulness. These spirit-filled people are not artificially just happy, full of the positive lifestyle. Spirit-filled people can face the pressures of life. And I remember one night... I got a telephone call at 2 o'clock, and on the other end of the phone was an aunt. And she said, Pastor Scott, my nephew was just in a car accident. Can you come to the hospital? Well, it was a snowy night, and I got in my little, I had a Ford Ranger truck, and I blasted through the, and I got to the emergency room, and this young man was no longer with us. He was killed in a car accident. And I just thought, Lord, I can't face this family. What what am I going to say? And the Holy Spirit came to me and I said, Lord, I need you to fill me right now. That's what it means to walk in spiritual fullness. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be happy and say, praise the Lord, how are you guys doing? I didn't do that when I went into that emergency room. But life didn't get me. And I was able to share with this family that even in the midst of their grief, grief there, there can be hope. See, I want you to know that this, this fullness of the Holy Spirit can be something that is our lifestyle. Secondly, I want you to know that the command is in the passive voice. It's in the the passive voice. It means be filled. I don't fill myself. We don't fill ourselves. We come to Jesus and he fills us. That's what he says. Come to me and I will give you to drink. Passive means that someone else does something to us. We come to Jesus and he fills us. I would suggest to you that this is the second step of the joyful lifestyle of repentance. Remember what repentance is? Repentance is when you're walking in life, you find yourself in a sinful pattern, which all of us do, and we realize it and we stop and go, Lord, this isn't right. Maybe we just read our Gideon Bible and the Lord spoke to us. And so we turn. That's the first step. The second step is to present ourselves to God. That's this. We present ourselves to God and we say, God, and I've just been going in the wrong direction. I present myself new to you. I present myself fresh to you. I present myself in faith to you. I come to Jesus. Will you feel me? See, it's a passive, it's, it's a gift that we receive. And so it starts with confession of sin. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. 
You know, his name is holy, isn't it? The Holy Spirit. And so we come to him, and he is sad when we sin. He convicts us. He challenges us to make us right. And so he says, come to me. Turn from and turn to. And that's our joyful lifestyle that we have. But I want you to know something. Not only do we just come to him and present ourselves, but we turn to God in faith. It's a faith proposition. It's something that we do because God says it works. We don't feel it, but we do it anyway. We trust him when he says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We don't beat ourselves up either. We all sin. Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. And then he says, but I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race because he knew what it was like to come to God and receive God's forgiveness and that filling. Third, receive the Spirit's fullness. Welcome him to wash over you. And maybe you're here and you say, that's too touchy-feely for me. That's just touchy-feely stuff. Let the Holy Spirit wash over me. That's religious stuff. Well, let me tell you something. (laughs) If you're if you're covered in manure on the on the farm, you want to be showered and washed. And you know sin is so serious before God that when we're stuck in sin, He considers us covered in manure. Let me give you a fresh wash, a fresh wash. And so we turn from it and we present ourselves to God. Now, I want to say something that is just kind of my own experience. This is from me. This is my walk with God. Remember what it feels like to grieve the Spirit. Remember what it feels like to grieve the Spirit. Next time you're tempted to fall into sin, remember what that felt like. You weren't happy. You were convicted. And you thought to yourself, how could I have done this? Don't lose that feeling. Think about that. So you're motivated to not do it again. (laughs) Confess your sin. And come to God and be filled with the Spirit. But I want to say one more thing about this. The command is in the plural. Everyone. Everyone be filled. And it's a lifestyle. It's the way we live every day of every week, of every month, of every year. Not go to church and, okay, now that's over. I can go turn on the TV and forget about God. No. Turn on the TV and watch TV through the eyes and the lens of God. That's what you do. You know, you you watch the movies. You watch the TV shows through the lens, and there are TV shows that I watch and I go, no, 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 this isn't going right, and I turn them off. Okay. But it means to walk with God. It means that you're alive. The command is to be continually filled with the Spirit as a lifestyle and to come to Him realizing that Jesus will fill you and that everyone can experience this spiritual fullness. This is the cure for the Christian blahs. 
every day as a lifestyle, continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. But secondly, I want you to know that the Bible very clearly tells us, be open to a filling for a special purpose. A special purpose. Not only continually filled, but to be open for a filling for a special purpose. Let me give you some examples from the book of Acts where this was true. Acts chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Peter and John were arrested and they were brought before the Jewish leaders. Listen to what Acts chapter 4 says. They had Peter and John brought before them and they began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? They healed the guy. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Aha! A special occasion. And Peter was specially anointed for a special opportunity to do something special out of the ordinary for God. Be open to that in your lives. Again, chapter 4, verse 31. This is the church gathered together for prayer. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? So they could speak the Word of God boldly. God wanted them to do evangelism, so He filled them specially for that special occasion. And then look again at chapter 13. This is the Apostle Paul who was on his missionary journey. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked straight at the opposition. See, sometimes when we face opposition, God offers us a special filling so that we can face the opposition with courage and boldness. It can be a special event that happens to us. Every day, every Sunday, when I come before here at church and I come before you to open up God's Word, I pray, Lord, please give me some special filling today that I might present Your Word with boldness and power. I need that special filling because apart from Him, I can do... Yeah. But God doesn't leave us out there by with our bare face hanging out, as some people say. He says, come to me and drink. I will give you that special filling. I remember one day I was uh, I was associate pastor, and one of my jobs as an associate was to travel around town and visit shut-ins. And so I made my list, and I was making my rounds to the shut-ins, and I drove by this apartment complex, and something came over me. And I just felt the Lord give me some special anointing. And I thought, Lord, what is that? And then I remembered there was a shut-in in in this apartment complex that was not on my list. And so I said, well, Lord, you're prompting me, so I'm going to follow. And I went up and I knocked on her door. And she was in tears. And I said, well, I'm here to encourage you and to visit you. And she said, I'm so glad you came. Today is a one-year anniversary of the death of my husband. And I was just lonesome, and I just needed someone to encourage me. You know, God does this. God something. He just gives us these special promptings. It's not weird. <laughs> that's the way Christians live. That's, that's God's power. That's his leading. That's the offer he gives us. Come to me and drink. And you will, from you will flow rivers of living water. 
Let me give you a couple of practical application suggestions. Number one, be thirsty. Develop a thirst. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Get thirsty. Get in the word of God and get hungry and thirsty for more. Nurture that desire. Jesus said, all who are thirsty, here's a time when it's good to be thirsty. To work at becoming more thirsty so that the Holy Spirit will give us more of himself. Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Be thirsty. Secondly, be confident. But I would suggest be careful. If you're sincerely coming to Jesus for a drink, be confident that he is sovereign over what happens. There's no need to be afraid what's going to happen. He loves you and he will guide you and he will provide for your spiritual nourishment. But at the same time, I would suggest be careful because we know that just like there are counterfeits on the internet, there are counterfeit spirits. And Jesus, or the Apostle John tells us, test the spirits. Be careful. When we enter into spiritual life, does it fit biblical truth? Does it square with the fruit of the Spirit? And if it does, then say, Lord, give it to me and give me all you got. <laughs> I can be confident. Third, I would suggest to you this is very important. Be gracious. Be gracious. Brothers and sisters, we do not criticize our Christian brethren. We don't we just don't do that. We don't call into question their walk with God. We pray for them. We challenge them to put their finger on the text. And then we nurture them and encourage them. Because remember what the Apostle Paul said, or what uh, uh, the Bible tells us. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop it. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So be gracious. But I want to encourage you today, everyone, if you are born again, if you have spiritual life, you can experience spiritual fullness. You don't have to walk around with the spiritual blahs. And it doesn't mean you're on this mountaintop all the time. It just means that you know that God is walking with you and you've got joy in your heart and you know you can face the yuck of this world, but there's a lot of it. And you know that Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, be of encouragement, take heart. I have overcome the world. And how does he overcome the world? We come to him and ask him, Lord, I need a drink right now. Will you fill me fresh with your spirit? And so here's a simple prayer. Simple prayer. Lord Jesus, Fill me fresh with your spirit. You know the name Bill Bright? He founded Campus Crusade for Christ 
a wonderful ministry on college campuses. I remember when I was in seminary a long time ago, he came and spoke to our chapel. Well, you know, seminary students, we, we think we know everything, right? I mean, we've been studying the Greek and Hebrew. You know. we, we've been studying systematic theology. We know what federal headship means. And you know what Bill Bright spoke on that day that he came and spoke to our chapel? He spoke about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because in his opinion, that is the most important aspect of walking with God. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you can parse every Greek and Hebrew verb in the Bible and be a clanging cymbal or a sounding gong. But if you're filled with the Spirit, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, outermost parts of the earth. It can be it can be a constant experience. And then there will be those special times when God will come upon you and give you that anointing to do the hard stuff in life and help you walk through the door of opportunity with boldness. May I challenge you today, don't settle for the Christian blase. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Shall we pray together? Father in heaven, I thank you that you and your Son have sent the Holy Spirit into our lives. He is one of the persons of the Godhead. He is equal to you. He is equal to Jesus. He is God, fully God, 100% God. And when he gives us himself, he gives us all that God has for us. So, Father, I pray that we would regularly come to Jesus and expect that he will give us a drink of him. 